Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place we can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Tonight, Sunday night, that means there's a lot of sports to go over. We'll be going over some college football action from yesterday, of course, all throughout the top 25. Uh, then, of course, we have uh, some NFL action to go over. Then we have some basketball news and some highlights to go over as well. And to wrap everything up, we have some baseball uh, po- uh, end of the year of Awards for baseball to talk about as well. But let's get right into it, of course, with some top 25 college football action from yesterday. Uh, first things first, we have number five, Penn State, taking a loss to number 13, Minnesota. A big time Big Ten conference game. Minnesota gets the win here, 26 to 31, capping off the upset. Uh, Penn State is now at 8 and 1, and Minnesota remains undefeated. They move up to 1, I'm sorry, to 9 and 0. Uh, let's break down the stats in this one for Penn State on offense that were led by quarterback Sean Clifford, who went 23 of 43 for 340 yards. He also threw threw one touchdown but threw three picks. Running back John, uh, Journey Brown will lead all rushers uh, with 124 yards on the ground. He also have two rushing touchdowns. Raw receiver KJ Hamler would have seven catches and 119 yards. Tight end Pat Fairmuth would have seven catches and 101 yards. And tight end Nick Bowers would have a receiver touchdown on defense the Mitney Lions were led by Micah Parsons at the defensive end spot he would have 11 total tackles in the sack and also linebacker Jan Johnson would have 11 total tackles as well uh, for Minnesota on offense they were led by quarterback Tanner Morgan he will go 18 to 20 for 333 yards and also three touchdowns on the ground the Golden Gophers would be, would be led by running back Rodney Smith would have 51 rushing yards wide receiver Seth Green would have a rushing touchdown and wide receivers were Rashad Bateman, Tyler Johnson, and also Chris Autumn Bell would receive rushing touchdowns on top on top of that. And for Rashad Bateman, a monster game from him. Uh, on top of the touchdown, he would also have a hundred. Uh, sorry, seven catches for 203 receiving yards. On defense, Minnesota was led by Antoine Winfield Jr., who had 11 total tackles and two interceptions. And yes, if you uh, if you know anything about your NFL, yes, his father did play uh, in the league as well. Antoine Winfield Jr. like father like son good ball hawking defensive back uh we also got some help from defensive back jordan howden who had 16 uh, sorry six total tackles and an interception and also linebacker carter coughlin would have eight total tackles and the sack as well moving on uh we got Number five, a uh, number three, excuse me, Ohio State getting done against Maryland, 73 to 14. Uh, Ohio State normally does this like every year against Maryland, so nothing really to talk about here. Nothing, you know, nothing amazing here. This is something that Ohio State typically does to this team. Up next, we have number 11, Baylor getting it done. It had to, it had to go to overtime, but they got it done against their Big 12 rival TCU, 29 to 23 is the final score there. Up next, we got number 10, Florida getting the easy shutout. Three against Vanderbilt, 56 to zero. We got SMU, aka Southern Methodist University, getting the win against ECU, aka Eastern Carolina, 59 to 51 is the final score there. And uh, up next, we have the big prime time matchup, of course, uh, one and no- number one versus number two. We got LA 
LSU and Alabama here. 46 to 41 is the final score here. LSU gets it done. Uh, they move to 9 and 0, and Alabama moves down to 8 and 1. Let's break this one down on offense. Of course, Joe Burrow would lead the way for the Tigers, going 31 to 39 for 393 yards. He would also pass for three touchdowns. On the ground, they were led by Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who would have 103 yards. He would also have three touchdowns and also uh, three touchdowns on the ground. He'd also have nine receptions for 77 yards. He would also have have a touchdown there as well. Rod receiver Jamar uh, Jamar Chase would have six catches and 140 yards and a touchdown. And Rod receiver Terrence Marshall would have a receiving touchdown as well. On defense, LSU was led by Kalevon uh, Kalevon Chisson, the linebacker who had 10 total tackles, and also linebacker Patrick Queen who would have six total tackles and uh, seven total tackles, excuse me, and an interception. For Alabama, uh, two attack of Alor was able to get the start. Of course, he had his knee. Taped up, so he wasn't 100%, or his leg taped up, so he wasn't 100%. But again, he had a pretty decent game going 21 of 40. Uh, he had 418 yards. He also threw for four touchdowns, but he had a pick as well. On the ground, Najee Harris would lead the way. He would have 146 yards and a touchdown. He'd also have 44 receiving yards and a touchdown there as well. Rob receiver Jerry Judy would catch a touchdown pass, and then on top of that, Rob receiver Devontae Smith would have a monster game catching seven passes for 200. 13 yards and also 13 touchdowns on on defense the tie was led by defensive back xavier mckinney who would have uh, 13 total tackles excuse me he also had two sacks and defensive back Trayvon Diggs would help out as well with 10 total tackles. And finally, linebacker Anthony Jennings would have eight total tackles and two sacks. Up next, you got Texas, who was unranked at the moment, getting a win uh, at home against Kansas State, who is currently number 20. Of course, that is liable to change with the new rankings. Uh, but they got that win against Kansas State at home. That being Texas, 27 to 24 is the final score there. Up next, we have number 17, Cincinnati, getting an easy win against Connecticut, 48 to 3. Uh, number 22, Wake Forest, takes a loss on the road out there in Blacksburg, Virginia. Virginia Tech, 17 to 36 is the final score here. Uh, not too much to say there. But up next, we have a we have another Big Ten matchup between two uh, two teams in the top 25. And this one, Wisconsin, number 16, was able to get it done, 24 to 22 against number 18, Iowa. Wisconsin moves to seven and two. Iowa is now six and three. For Iowa, offensively, they were led by quarterback Nathan Stan. Who will go 17 to 28 yesterday for 208 yards and also two touchdowns on the ground? Torn Young would have 44 rushing yards, and wide receiver Tyron Tracy would have five catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown. And wide receiver Nico uh, Ragani Ragani would have a receiving touchdown as well. On uh, on defense, the Hawkeyes were led by Michael Ojemudia, who had seven total tackles, and defensive back Matt Hankins, who would have eight total tackles and an interception. For Wisconsin, offensively, they were led by quarterback Jack Cohen, who had six, who went 16 of 32 for 173 yards. He would have two touchdowns, but he would throw an interception as well. On the ground, Jonathan Taylor had a monster game. Uh, he did not score any touchdowns, but he did have 250 yards on the ground. And in terms of receiving, you have a you got a receiving touchdown from Danny Davis, who also rushed for a touchdown, and also wide receiver Quintez Cephas would have five total catches and 94 yards. 
yards on, and a touchdown to add to that. On defense, the Badgers were led by Zach Vaughn, who had six total uh, six total tackles, and also linebacker Jack Sanborn, who would have five total tackles. Up next, we got number six, Georgia, getting an easy shutout big three again against uh, Missouri, 27-0. to zero. Uh, Up next, we have number 15, Notre Dame, getting an easy win against Duke, 38-7. We also got number four, Clemson, getting another easy conference win against North Carolina State, 55-10. And uh, we got number nine, Oklahoma, needing all four quarters. They need all 42 points to get it done against all. Sorry, Iowa State. 42 to 41 is the final score here. The Oklahoma Sooners move to 8 and 1, and the Iowa State Cyclones, excuse me, the Iowa State Cyclones move to 5 and 4. Uh, for Iowa State, they were led by quarterback Brock Purdy, who went 19 to 30 for 282 yards. He would also have five touchdowns through the air. He would add another on the ground. Running back Breesy Hall would have eight, 118 rushing yards, and wide receiver uh, Tariq Milton would have two catches and 67 yards and a touchdown and then tight end chase allen wide receiver sean shaw jr and tight ends charlie kohler and also dylan schooner would all catch receiving touchdowns and on defense this, uh, the cyclones were led by linebacker marcel spears who had 10 total tackles and a sack and defensive back lawrence white who had seven total tackles and a sack for oklahoma on offense they were led by quarterback jalen hurts who went 18 to 26 for 273 yards he would also have three touchdowns and an interception he'd also have 68 yards on the ground he'd also run for two touchdowns there as well on the ground uh well on the ground uh, in terms of yardage they were led by uh, kennedy brooks who had 132 yards who'd also add a touchdown to that and wide receiver cd lamb would be the leading receiver for the sumers he would have eight total catches for 167 yards he would also have two touchdowns and also um also wide receiver trajan briggs uh trajan bridges excuse me would catch a touchdown pass as well. On defense, the Sooners were led by safety Delarin Turner who would have 9 total tackles and also safety Patrick Fields would have 8 total tackles as well. Finally, rounding out the top 25, we got number 21, Boise State getting an overtime victory against Wyoming, 20-17 to and finally, we have another Mountain West, uh, Mountain West one here, but number 24 San Diego State goes down at home to Nevada, 13-17. to all right, y'all, we're going to move on uh, to the pro side of things. Uh, let's break down some NFL action from today. Uh, first things first, we're going to break down the major game. And the earliest game uh, we got uh, is the Giants and the Jets. Of course, the Jets get the win in this one. 34-27 uh, to 27 is the final score here. Uh, the Jets move to 2-7. The Giants are now 2-8. Let's break down the stats in this one as well. Uh, for the Giants on offense, they were led, of course, by Daniel Jones at the quarterback position. He would go 26-40 for 308 yards. He did throw for four touchdowns. He also had 21 rushing yards, and that would make him the leading rusher on the team. It was a bad day for the Giants running the ball. Uh, wide receiver Darius Slayton would have 10 catches, 121 yards, and also two touchdowns. Wide receiver Golden Tate would also have four catches for 95 yards. He would have two touchdown catches as well. Uh, as far as Saquon Barkley is concerned, uh, he actually actually he was the leading rusher on the team, excuse me, uh, but he was he did not really have an effective game. He only had 30 rushing yards and he's still dealing with that high ankle sprain. He's looking to have another x-ray tomorrow, so uh, he will be missing some, some more time. On defense, uh, the Giants were led by safety Antoine Bethia, who 
had five total tackles and defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson, who had nine total tackles and a sack. For the Jets, of course, Sam Donald, of course, had to start today. He went 19 to 30. He went. He had 230 passing yards. He also threw a touchdown pass. Uh, running back Le'Veon Bell would have 34 rushing yards. He would also have a touchdown on top of that. And wide receiver Demarius Thomas would have six catches and 84 yards. And wide receiver Jamison Crowder would have five catches for 81 yards. He'd also bring in a touchdown as well. On defense, safety Jamal Adams would have nine total tackles and two sacks. And linebacker James Burgess would have uh, seven total tackles, excuse me, and a half a sack. Moving on, we have a NFC upset. To, uh, NFC upset. Uh, we have the Falcons here beating up on the Saints 26 to 9. I don't know how that one happened. Up next, we have another game that I cannot explain uh, how it even it happened. I don't know how this one happened. The Titans get an upset win against the, against the Chiefs here. 35 to 32 is the final score here. For the Titans, they are now sitting at 500, 5 and 5 to be exact. And for the Chiefs, they are 6 and 4. Uh, the A, I'm sorry, the Raiders have moved into just one game back behind them in the AFC West. Uh, for the Chiefs, offensively, of course, Pat Mahomes had a really decent game. Uh, really good game actually 36 of 50 he also had 446 passing yards he would throw for uh, three touchdowns as well uh, on the ground Damian Williams would lead the way with 77 rushing yards uh, Rob receiver Tariq Hill would have 11 catches and 57 yards and a touchdown Nicole Hardman uh, needed just 63 yards on one catch that he took to the house and Travis Kelsey would have seven catches 75 yards and a touchdown on defense uh, the Chiefs were led by Daniel Sorensen at the safety spot who had nine total tackles uh, defensive end Chris Jones who has set would have seven total tackles and two sacks and on the other side uh, the, the other defensive end on the right hand side Frank Clark would have four total tackles and a sack uh, for the Titans of course Ryan Tannehill he had a pretty decent game going 13 to 19 for 181 yards he would also have two touchdowns running back Derrick Henry would have 188 rushing yards and also two touchdowns and wide receiver Khalif Raymond will would lead Titans receivers in terms of yardage with 52 receiving yards and wide receivers Aaron Frisker and also Adam Humphreys would have receiving touchdowns on defense Tennessee was led by defensive backs Logan Ryan who had total uh, who had excuse me uh, 13 total tackles also LaShawn Sims who had 11 total tackles and linebacker Rashawn Evans who had seven total tackles and a sack up next we have a, a AFC North matchup between the the Ravens and the Bengals uh, uh, the Ravens get this one on the road, 49-13. Lamar Jackson has a perfect passer rating. He makes history. That guy just keeps getting better and better. They're going to win that division, and they're going to go pretty deep in the playoffs. You mark my words. Up next, we have the Browns uh, finally getting a win after some, some uh, difficult losses week after week after week. I still think they suck. Uh, but again, they got this one against the Browns, who are not that great themselves. Uh, they just happen to have a better record. Uh, but again, you know. They got it done here. Uh, the final score in this one for the Browns is 19, Bills 16. Up next, we have the Buccaneers. This game got delayed because of some weather issues. The Buccaneers pulled out pulled out on top, though, 30-27. to Up next, we have the Bears getting an ugly win against the Lions, 20-13. We also got the Packers getting it done at home against the Panthers, Panthers 24-16. We got the Rams, I'm sorry, the Steelers getting an upset on the Rams, 17-12. Again, I can't explain that one. I really cannot explain that one. And finally, in a big the big Sunday night matchup, we got the Vikings getting it done against the Cowboys 28 to 24. 
For the Vikings, they are now 7-3. And, and for the Cowboys, they are 5-4. and four. We're going to break this one down. For the, uh, for the Vikings offensively, they were led by quarterback Kirk Cousins to win 23-32 for 220 yards. He would also throw two touchdown passes on the ground. Dalvin Cook would have 97 rushing yards and a touchdown. He also had uh, seven receptions for 86 yards. Uh, 86 yards. Stephen Diggs would have three catches for 49 yards. And Tyler, uh, sorry, the tight end, Kyle. Rudolph would have uh, two receiving touchdowns. And on defense, Minnesota was led by defensive back Mike Hughes, who had six total tackles, and also linebacker Anthony Barr, who would have seven total tackles. For the boys, they were led by Dak, of course, who went 28 of 46 for 397 yards. Uh, he would have uh, three touchdowns, but he would also throw an interception as well. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott would only have 47 rushing yards, but Amari Cooper would have 11, uh, 11 catches for 147 receiving yards. He would also have a touchdown uh, catch. Randall Cobb would have similar numbers in turn well no actually he would have he would have 100 yards uh receiving he also have six catches he also get a touchdown as well and finally you got four catches and 76 yards and a touchdown from the other wide receiver michael gallup on defense dallas will let with Sorry, Dallas was led by uh, linebacker Jalen Smith, who had 13 total tackles, as well as their other pass rusher, Leighton Vanderesh, who would have 13 total tackles as well. And on the defensive end, they got help, tremendous, tremendous help from Demarcus Lawrence, who had eight total tackles. All right, y'all, I'm gonna call call it a quick break, and when I come back, I'll be going over some. Uh, some end of the year baseball awards uh this time around we'll be going over the silver sorry the silver sluggers award uh for the best offensive players uh in both leagues so we will be right back y'all all right All right, y'all, we are back, and it's time to go over some baseball awards for the end of the year. Uh, tonight, we'll be going over the 2019 Silver Sluggers Awards, and these are the awards for the best offensive performers at each position in both leagues. So let's get right into it, starting with this, the catcher position. In the American League, we got Mitch Garver of the Minnesota Twins. This year, he had a 995 OPS with 300, sorry, with 31 home runs. Uh, this guy had a... Uh, this guy had come out of nowhere because in the past couple of seasons, he had only had seven home runs and just 348 at-bats. So this year, uh, he got on base a lot and he was effective with his bat. That's the most important thing. When you're seeing a 995 OPS, because remember, the OPS is the combination of the slugging percentage and the on-base percentage. So Mitch Garver is using his bat to duly get on base. That is what you see here. 31 home runs, very high OPS, one of the best catchers, at least in the American League. Uh, we're going to move on to the National League where we have G, sorry, JT Real Muto from the Phillies. My Personally, my favorite catcher in all of baseball. This is his second straight Silver Slugger Award. This year, he had a 275 average with a 328 on-base percentage. He also had a 493 slugging average, and he also had 25 home runs. We're going to move on to first base, and in the American league we have Carlos Santana of the Cleveland Indians uh, this year he had a 281 average
average with three with a 397 on base percentage, 515 slugging average, and also a 911 OPS. One of the best hitters in that Cleveland Indians rotation. And he definitely kept them at least in the running for that wild card all the way just about to the year. In the National League, we have uh, in the National League we have Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves. This year he had a 295 average, a 389 on base percentage, a 549 slugging average with 38 homers, and on top of that, he is also the defensive player of the year. So he is uh, by far one of the best players out there, all around best players in baseball, in my opinion. He's been that way for at least the past couple years. Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves, people. Up next, we're going to go to second base. We're going to start off, of course, in the American League. We're going to talk about DJ LeMayhew of the New York Yankees. This year, he had a 327 average with a 375 on base percentage, and he also had a slugging percentage of 518. He also had a, he also hit a career high in home runs this year and RBIs with 26 in the home run department. He would also have um, 102 RBIs. And in the National League, we have Ozzy Albias of the Braves, who led the NL the, led the National League, excuse me, with 189 hits. He had a 293 average with 43 doubles. He also hit eight triples and 24 home runs. We're gonna go to third base and the American in the American League we have Alex Bregman representing the Houston Astros. He is also an AL American League MVP finalist this year. He had a 1.1 he had a 1.105 OPS and he also had 41 home runs and he drew 119 walks which led all of baseball and of course, for those of you who may or may not know, a walk is just when a pitcher says, we're not even going to throw directly to you. We don't care if you hit it. Or we're not even going to let you try to hit the ball. We're just going to let you walk to first base. So that's what uh, Alex Bregman has been doing, has, well, had been doing all this season. In the National League, of course, you already know about this this man right here. Anthony Rendon, one of my favorite players at that position, of course, of the Washington Nationals. This is his second Silver Slugger Award. This year, he had a 319 average with a 412 on-base percentage and also a 5 598 slugging average. He also had 34 home runs this year, which was a career half average. I'm sorry, which was a career high, excuse me, a career high 34 homers. He would also lead the National Leagues in RBIs with 126 and also doubles with 44. As shortstop in the AL, we have Xander Bogarts of the Red Sox, who had a nine. Uh, with a, which who had a 959 OPS, which is a career high. He also hit 52 doubles this year. He also had 33 home runs and 117 RBIs. We also got in the NL uh, the National League Trevor Story out of from the Rockies, straight out of Colorado. This is his second straight Silver Slugger as well. He had a 294 uh, average with three six with a 363 on base percentage and a 554 slugging percentage. He'd also have 35 home runs and 23 stolen bases. In the outfield, we got Mike Trout coming out of the AL, uh, representing the Ant the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. This is his seventh. This is his seventh. Excuse me. This is his seventh Silver Slugger award in the past nine seasons. He is also an AL MVP finalist. He also led the ma the majors this year in on base percentage with 43.8 and also an OPS of 6.45. Uh, up next, actually, I believe that's a slugging percentage of 6.45. Uh, up next, out of the Houston Astros, we have George Springer. We have uh, he who had a two. 
292 average this year. Uh, he had a, three, a 383 on-base percentage and a 591 OPS with 39 home runs this year. And this is and this is coming off him still missing 100, 122 games because of injury. And finally, rounding out the outfield for the American League, we have Mookie Betts of the Red Sox this year. He had a 915 OPS with 29 home runs. He would lead the MLB in runs scored uh, with 135. In the National League, we have Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers, who had a 305 average this year, a 406 on base percentage, and a 629 OPS for 47 home runs this year. I'm uh, 47 home runs this year. Uh, up next, we have Christian Yelich of the Brewers. He will lead the NL in average and uh, with 329, and also he will lead the National League in on-base percentage as well with a 429. He would also lead all of baseball in slugging percentage, and he had a 1.10 OPS, which was about, I think it was about near the top of, of baseball, along with your man Alex Bregman from Houston. And finally, rounding out the outfield in the National League, we have Ronald Acuna Jr. I know you guys aren't surprised about this name here. He's the youngest player to hit for 40 or more home runs. Of course, this year he would have 40. He was a, he was one of the youngest players to get 30 steals. This year he would have 37. He also finished the year with an 8.83. Uh, I'm sorry, with a .883 OPS. So very strong offensive player and part of the reasons part of the reasons why the Braves even made it to the postseason this year. And finally, at the designated hitter position, we have the Twins. Of course, the designated hitter is just in the in the AL. Uh, for N Nelson Cruz this year, he had a 1.031 ERA, and he would also, I'm sorry, with OPS, excuse me, and he had 41 home runs. He would also hit his 400th home run this year as well, getting up there in age. He is 38 years old. And finally, in the National League, of course, because there is no designated hitter, you have you have pitchers hitting. You got uh, pitcher Zach Greinke uh, getting the getting the award this year. Of course, he is uh, he is currently a member of the Astros, but he started off the year with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, but he had a 280 average at the pitcher position, so it's not a, it's not every day where you see a pitcher probably hit. 250 or more uh, or above so he had a 280 average this year before he got traded to Houston he also would have four doubles he had a triple and he would also put up three home runs at, as well so imagine a pitcher uh, getting three home runs on you that'll be crazy uh, but let's move on we have one piece of news here before I let you guys go I uh, take another quick break and it's coming out of Oakland and again it does not seem like Oakland wants the A's the city of Oakland is looking to extend a temporary injunction that is keeping Alameda County from selling its half of the Coliseum, its half of the Coliseum, uh, to the A's. On Friday, Oakland City Council uh, actually unanimously, unanimously agreed to begin discussions with the team to sell its half of the stadium. Uh, so this is all confusing. I'm not too sure where the city is standing. City Council was okay with talking to the A's. They they're willing to you know do business with the A's, but the city itself, I don't know where they're standing. They're obviously not with it. Uh, uh, the city of Oakland is claiming that the county is violating the Surplus Lands Act, which is a state law which uh, requires excess public lands to be considered for affordable housing uh, before it is sold or leased. Well, if they want more affordable housing, just make whatever they have already affordable. Duh, lower the rent in your city. That's what you would do. Why do the A's have to suffer? I don't know. Uh, there's many ways around this, and Oakland's just... 
Oakland's pretending to, to care. I, they don't really care about affordable housing. That's 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 a BS reason. They're 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 looking to pimp the. I'm I'm telling you, they're looking to pimp the stadium out to the highest bidder. That's all it is. They want somebody. They're looking. They're they ain't looking to make no no affordable housing. They want it. If they wanted affordable, they would just make the houses that they have already available in that city affordable. Why does why is rent not affordable in that city to begin with? Anyways, the A's have agreed to purchase the county's half of the property for $85 million or enter a long-term lease. So the A's and the MLB wants the team to be there. The A's organization wants to play in Oakland. The MLB, I've talked about this before, is wants the team to be in Oakland. But it looks like the city of Oakland wants to drag its feet. I'm telling you, they want to hoe out to somebody else. That's all it's about. Uh, they want to get some big bank for, for their part of the, their, their half of the stadium. That's all Oakland wants. Oakland, Oakland and Alameda County will be meeting back in court on November the 14th. All right, y'all, I'm going to take another quick break. And when I come back, we'll be wrapping everything up with some basketball. We have a couple news stories to go over. Uh, we have a news concerning your boy, uh, Dion Waiters, out there in Miami. We also going to talk some Gordon, uh, Gordon Hayward as well. And then we'll get into some, some of tonight's scores. All right, y'all, I'll be back. I will be right back. Excuse me. All right, y'all, I'm back. I'm going to wrap this up for tonight. And I'm going to talk some NBA news before I get into these games real quick. And I got one new story coming out of Miami. And it looks like Miami Heat guard Deion Waiters will be actually suspended for 10 games. And let's talk a little bit about why. Now, Thursday, on a team flight to L.A., he would suffer a panic attack after eating some THC gummies. Apparently, he does this after the game, of course. You know, professional athletes can't smoke, but I guess he needed to take the edge off uh, for anything, for whatever. And apparently, he's been having some stomach issues, so he hasn't been playing because of that. So I guess whatever, the THC gummies is supposed to help him. But apparently, he brought a kind that he wasn't he wasn't used to, and I guess it was too strong for him. So I guess he just started bugging on the plane. He would have to receive medical medical treatment in LA and will miss the game versus the Lakers. Now the night before, like I. I said he would miss the game versus the Suns Wednesday night last week because of a stomach ache. Now, all of this drama, all this off, you know, all this off the court issues has really put a, a damper on his game. He's already lost his spot in, their, in, in the, the heat rotation to the rookies Tyler Hero and also Kendrick Nunn. So, um, I would not be surprised if at some point uh, the Heat just let, let go of Deion Wade. It's too much drama, not enough production uh, for, for his part. And again, just just, just all these weird issues like he's already sat out a couple of games not necessarily dealing with the stomach ache earlier this week but just random issues he just had to sit out games for one reason or another and then again he has this, this mishap with the with the weed gummies and i'm and i, I just don't you know i again I've, I've eaten gummies and again maybe you know maybe i just haven't had the wrong the wrong brand or whatever i've never had those experiences with gummies i've never had that experience with thc being a key component of whatever i was smoking or ingesting so this guy i don't again leon just bad luck for bruh you got bad luck that's what you got that's what well, however the old school song went y'all remember i i don't know what to say about Dion. He had a shot a long time ago. He used to have some stroke from three. And I, I, I don't know. There's not too much to say about this one. He will be missing 10 games. He just need to get his mind right, I guess. You know, I mean, 
and, and I guess you need to let the gummies go. They're not for you. Uh, one more news stories to go over real quick. And we have another injury to talk about for Gordon Hayward. The Celtics forward suffered another, another major injury, this time to his right hand in the second quarter of a win against San Antonio. Of course, this was coming off a, squ- a screen that was set on him by, uh, if I'm not mistaken, LaMarcus Aldridge. So he ran pretty much right into LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, messed his whole uh, right, I'm sorry, his, yeah, his right hand up. It's not a shooting hand though but he will be missing some significant time and he will be meeting a well he did meet with a uh, specialist today to uh, discuss the discuss his far to discuss the possibilities of having to receive a surgery and there really is no timetable on his return and this is unfortunate because since he's been in Boston he's been just injury riddled and it's just kind of my opinion been unfortunate for him but that's just the way it goes i guess sometimes uh in terms of his stats this year he had been turning around uh he had he was averaging 20 points a game for uh over four and a half assists and also almost eight rebounds which was a career high and he's also shooting 44 percent from three and also 56 percent from the field and currently the celtics are seven and one and just and first in the eastern conference so i think it's a uh, somewhat of a big piss a big piece excuse me to be missing um, but I, I think the Celtics should be okay. I think they do have some talent around him. And uh, to, for what it's worth, he at some point has had issues with underperforming or performing up to his level. So I think the Boston Celtics will be all right. Uh, that is some that is some added scoring that I'm pretty sure that they would might have. But again, I think they're good enough to make it without at least make the playoffs without them. But let's move on to tonight's scores. We have a little bit of action to go over. We're gonna start off in the Western Conference with the Nuggets getting a two-point win against the Timberwolves. 100-98 was the final score here. For the Nuggets, they are now 7-2. And, and for the Timberwolves, they are now 5-4. and four. Oh, and this game, of course, had to go to overtime. But let's break down the stats in this one. For the Nuggets, they were led by Nikola Jokic. He would have 20 points, 7 rebounds, and also 6-6. Uh, guard Jamal Murray would have 15 points and 5 rebounds. And on top of that, he would add two assists and four. Paul Millsap would have 15 points, 10 assists, and also uh, 10 rebounds. I'm sorry, and two assists. Uh, on uh, for the Timberwolves, excuse me, for Carl Anthony, for the Timberwolves, excuse me, Carl Anthony Towns would have 25 points, 16 rebounds, and six assists. Andrew Wiggins, who has made the jump from small forward to shooting guard recently, I believe it was between, uh, I, I want to say last season and this season honestly uh he aver- he got 25 points tonight with all with a long alongside that he had five assists and also four rebounds and finally guard joshua okogi would have 17 points and also eight rebounds and four assists coming off the bench for the timberwolves uh let's move on we have an eastern conference matchup between the hornets and the si- uh, the sixers the sixers got it done in this one 114 to 106 next up we have the pacers uh getting another getting another the W on the year this time against the Magic 109 to 102 is the final score here. Uh, the Matt, I'm sorry, the the Pacers are six and four, and the Magic are three and seven. For the Pacers, they had a really great game, and what's been a, in my opinion, a imp- much improved season from the forward, the small forward T.J. Warren. He had 19 points, two assists, and also two rebounds. Center, Demonte Sabonis. If you guys remember the name Sabonis, uh, his father Arvidas Sabonis was a great Portland Trailblazers big man. So he's following in his father's footsteps. Uh, he's playing for the Pacers now. Of course, like I said, his father. 
Arvidas played for the uh, Portland Trailblazers back in the 90s. I think he was up in there, up on there, at least until 2000, 2001. But like I said, following his father's footsteps, I think it's pretty cool. He had 21 points tonight, 16 rebounds, and also 7 assists. Uh, pretty much a stat line his dad would have in his prime. Just being honest with you, just throwing that out there as well. And uh, finally, you got some help from Mount. Malcolm Brogdon, the point guard, who had 19 points and 8 rebounds, as well as 6 assists. And Doug McDermott would have 18 points and 6 rebounds coming off the bench. Uh, up next, we have the Cavaliers getting a win against the Knicks, 108-87. to We have the Suns getting a win against the Nets, 138-112. to We have, and, fi oh, yeah, and finally, we have the Hawks getting it done against the Blazers. I'm sorry, the Blazers getting it done against the Hawks, 124-113. to uh, the Blazers finally get their first home game of the year, and this one, of course, had to go to overtime as well. Uh, for the Blazers, they are now four and six, and the Hawks are now three and six. Let's break down the, let's break down the stats in this one. For the Hawks, Trey Young would lead the way for them. He would have 35 points, 10 assists, and also eight rebounds. Uh, for Jabari Parker, who has worked his way to the starting lineup, uh, has 20 had 27 points, also 11 rebounds and two assists. And guard Kevin Horter. Herter would have 15 points, five rebounds, and also two assists for the Blazers. Of course, they got a good, uh, good game from Damian. He would have 30 points, seven rebounds, and also six assists. C.J. McCollum would also add 23 points to that, eight rebounds and four assists. And Hassan Whiteside would do his thing with a double double: 21 points and 12 assists. And the young guy, Anthony Simmons, coming off the bench would have 20 points. Excuse me, three rebounds and two assists. All right, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for tonight. Uh, if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com. Once again, that is ljbutler75 at gmail.com. E-L-J-Butler75 at gmail.com. Once again, E-L-J-Butler75 at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Instagram or Facebook at Ajani. E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. Once again, that is E-L-J-A-M-A-H-A-D-J-A-N-I. Johnny is the name. You can also find me. You can also find a Facebook page for the show as well at Never Out of Bounds. Once again, that is Never Out of Bounds. I do have links uh, to my PayPal and to my Cash App. If you are looking to make donations there, I also have some content that you guys can look at as well. All right, y'all. I'm calling it a wrap for tonight. I will be back tomorrow. We will be having a new Top 25 for college football, of course, and, uh, of course, an up updated playoff ranking as well. Uh, we will be having some a word on the street segment as well. Uh, we have some updates and all that Trump impeachment inquiry stuff. And then on top of that, I'm finally going to... I've been working on it and it's done. I just got to just record it now. Uh, but I'm re I'm ready to put out that Joker review for you guys. I've been working on it. It's finally done. But uh just had a whole lot to, whole lot to go for this weekend in terms of sports. So I decided to hold off on that for just a little while longer. Uh, but I will be back and I will be giving that to you guys tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow night. Uh, probably tomorrow afternoon. Uh, actually, uh, probably more like around the evening or nighttime. Uh, but I will be back tomorrow. That's all that matters. All right, y'all. Uh, peace out. One love. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. And I'm out. You'll hear from me tomorrow. Good night, y'all.